Aaron, thank you so much. Let's just start, I guess, uh, with um, what your current job is and what your um, duties are as part of that job. I'm the Senior Legislative Associate for Disability Policy at the Jewish Federations of North America. Uh, and in that, uh, and in that job, I am responsible for all of our disability priority policy priorities. And so I spend a lot of time on the Hill uh, executing our desires, working on things like uh, protecting Medicaid, protecting the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, fighting for an extension of the Money Follows the Person program, working on issues related to competitive integrated employment. But then there is another uh, fun side to my job, and that is that I work with our federations, which are our sort of like our affiliates. Uh, there are 146 federations, uh, and JFNA is the umbrella organization of all of them. And uh, so I work with them, our clients on working with them on give, and giving advice on how to be more welcoming and inclusive to people with disabilities uh, at their federations and at their beneficiary agencies, whether it's a JCC or a Jewish Family Service Agency. Uh, so I, and I also provide technical assistance to my colleagues within uh, JFNA to make sure that all of our events are truly inclusive for people with disabilities. Fantastic. That sounds like a pretty um, job that will keep you busy. Is that a full-time position, I'm assuming? Yes, it's uh, I would say it's a six-day-a-week job. <laughs> <laughs> um, get everything done right, you have to work some Sundays. So. Yes, and um, then my uh, other question related to that is how many um, years have you been in that position? It'll be five years in January. And prior to that, I was a lobbyist for the Ark of Maryland, lobbying the Maryland legislature on behalf of the 99,000 Marylanders with developmental disabilities. So I've been a lobbyist for seven years. Fantastic. So from what I know about you, Erin, I believe that you had some involvement with the vocational rehabilitation system um, as a VR client. And I just wanted to touch on that to see um, what your experience was like with them and what type of services that they provided to you. Because um, a lot of times individuals go into VR uh, to get services, but they don't necessarily know what their job goal is and what, they, what kind of career they want to pursue. And so sometimes there's a lot of time spent on identifying the job goal. And I was just wondering what your experience was. Did you go into VR kind of knowing what you were looking for? or did you participate in the assessment process to try to figure that out? Well, I started earlier than what I think you're talking about because my transition support teacher, uh, which is a position in the Montgomery County Public Schools, um, brought me to the DOORS office because I live in Maryland uh, and that's what it's, VR is called, right. Department of Rehabilitation Services. Uh, when I was 16 as part of the transition process. So my doors counselor participated in my exit meeting and then she helped me get a lot of assistive technology for college and orientation and mobility training and uh, a, got a PT and OT to 
come out to my colleges and assess and assist me. Uh, she also, in Maryland, there's a technology center uh, where, an assistive technology center where you get to try out a bunch of devices. So she made a referral to that center and helped, I think, bought me a laptop and a Victor reader and other things. So by the time that it was time to uh, get a, a job, my case was closed, but that it was fine because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But I want to be very clear that I would not have gotten through higher education without my Doris counselor and all the things that she provided with me, uh, for me. They, um, they did get a benefit though financially because when I did get my first full-time job, I assigned, I was on SSI at the time and I assigned my ticket to work to them. So that as, and as it was back then, as I understand it, if I stayed in that job for at least uh, 10 months, uh, they got a lot of the money back. So I was glad to be able to do that for them after all that they had done for me. I'm really glad to hear that um, your VR counselor was involved uh, from the beginning while you were still in high school through the transition period. Again, that's how the law is written and that is how the process should occur. But um, we do often hear that a lot of times VR is reluctant to get involved until the person is actually on their way to college or graduated from high school. I was very fortunate to go to the Montgomery County Public Schools, which is one of the best school systems in the country. So some of my colleagues, and now that I'm a disability advocate, tease me saying that I got spoiled by going to public <laughs> schools in rich Montgomery County, and that's not the typical <laughs> experience. Well, it's still good to hear that it was positive, and it sounds like um, you had support um, throughout the college experience. And then was VR also involved in helping you obtain your first job upon graduation? No, I got that on my own based on my own credentials and networking. Okay. So uh, was your case closed at that point when you graduated from college or were they still providing any type of support services once you were working uh, in the community? No, they did not provide any um, support services at that time. Are there any other advice that you would give to people um, in terms of trying to successfully navigate the VR system? Well, I would say that Doors counselors or VR counselors are not created equal. I was a special education teacher for students in a job training program called Project Search. And, you know, this will be a podcast, so I'll be careful. But <laughs> some, of the some of the counselors that my student had, students had, have rather, were outstanding and just really great to work with. And some of them didn't have their heart into it and were really pushing paper and didn't seem committed to your, their client at all. Uh, and you had to nag them to get involved. Uh, so what I would say is, if you're not happy with your counselor, don't settle for mediocrity, ask to be given another counselor. A great piece of advice and definitely something that's good to remind the people that are listening because people sometimes do forget that is an option to request another counselor, you're not necessarily 
um, just limited to the one that you start with. So I think that's a great piece of advice. I believe you also mentioned um, that you worked with VR on a professional basis as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Yes, I worked in a, uh, you've probably heard of Project Search. It's a yes. job training program for people with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I worked with 12 individuals that had a variety of disabilities, such as intellectual disabilities, Williams syndrome, Down syndrome, autism, etc. And each of the people um, had a doors counselor because um, the doors provided a lot of the funding for my students, what we called interns, to participate in the programs. And so we would have a meeting about the intern every three months and the doors counselor would go um, to the meetings in a lot of instances and in other instances they would um, purchase workplace equipment for people that needed it. For example, one of my a student interns, his uh, job was uh, he needed hard work boots for the physical labor that he was doing it right. was required and so doors bought him some work boots for example each of the students uh had ipod minis and i believe doors paid for those as well was it um was it weird at all um going from the perspective of a vr client to then working with the vr professionals no, it was a it was a neat transition, and to be honest, you know, maybe they could tell, but I didn't share with the VR counselors that were working with my students that I was uh, that I was a Doors uh, client in the past. Right. But I also um, I felt that that situation, having been a Doors client, was actually beneficial for my interns. That is a great thing, and I'm sure it was very helpful to your students. Yes. Um, more generally, as we wrap this up, um, as someone who has successfully obtained um, competitive integrated employment and has been working in a professional position for over five years, do you have any advice to people with disabilities in general in terms of um, how to um, make sure that you are successful on the job and get any accommodations that you might need? Yes. Um, two things. I did not have a, what, my first job, I did not really have that great of an experience because uh, the job played straight into my weaknesses. So after just a year doing what I was doing, I quit. You know, when people are unhappy, it takes two to tango. But I uh, really thought hard about how I was just getting out of college and I was just so eager to have a job because everyone is asking me that I took the first job I, w I was offered. And the fact is it was not a good move because what my employer needed uh, didn't match my strengths. And so it was a difficult year for both parties. And I didn't get fired or anything. I just chose to leave. So we as people with disabilities, Amy, are told, oh, well, we can do any when we're little, we can do anything. We can, you know, we can do anything. It's just a little harder. But the fact is we must be honest with ourselves about does this particular job um, 
play to my strengths. And if not, it probably isn't right for me, um, particularly with me with uh, my learning disabilities, because here's the damage you do. Um, your self-esteem is shot. And then the employer's like, well, I had such a bad experience with Aaron, I'm not gonna hire somebody with a disability um, again. Uh, and it's already hard, and there's such stigma about hiring people with disabilities generally. Yeah. So you really have to be honest with yourself about really, am I gonna be good at this? The other piece of advice that I would give is to find out from people that already work there, whether or not an employer is truly inclusive, because everybody in 2020 says nice rhetoric about it, wanting a diverse workforce, including people with disabilities, but they don't always mean it or put in the work to make you successful, because let's be frank, it does take more, Amy, because we're both disabled, it does in many instances take more time to supervise somebody with a disability or at least an open mind. And you wanna see if that's the culture of the organization. I think a lot of people make mistakes about, well, they go into an interview, well, I have this disability, I have uh, this disability and I need this accommodation and I need that accommodation and I need this one. And don't do that until you're offered the job because that scares employers. If you go in into an interview and say, I need, the night, I need six accommodations. Talk about your strengths during an interview, not your needs and what value you'd bring to the employer. Excellent points, excellent points. And I think things that hopefully people can take and use in their current situation as they're um, meeting with future employers. So I really appreciate your time and your expertise and advice. Hope you have a great afternoon. I hope you do too. And thanks to NDRN, your true giants in the disability field. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, I'm Kurt Decker, Executive Director of NDRN. And thank you for celebrating National Disability Employment Awareness Month with us and our members. We hope you enjoyed these podcasts and we look forward to talking with you more in the future about the important issues impacting the lives of people with disabilities.